When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Geekscapists, congratulations, you made it to the weekend, and you made it past Halloween. Uh, Jonathan here to let you guys know that this is part three of our LA Comic Con panel series. If you want to go back through the feed and find a normal Geekscape interview episode, or maybe one of our uh, feature specials with Ian Kerner breaking down a Marvel, DC, or big event movie, um, you can go back through the feed and do that. So uh, let's talk about this one. This one is a panel that we did on Sunday about zombies, the science of zombies, the genre of zombies, uh, the history of zombies. And you may think that zombies are played out. Well, we do too. We think that the zombie genre is in decline. And it was so popular there for so long. Where does it go from here? It was pretty awesome talking to a panel of experts about that subject, seeing uh, what new uh, niches can come out of this genre, seeing uh, how this creature that is uh, oftentimes a metaphor for our own uh, mortality and society what does it reflect out of this time that we're living in this insane time so uh that's probably the last time that can get you guys to all go and vote on november 6th (laughs) so that the zombies don't eat us Uh, but i want to welcome you to listen to this panel and maybe go back through the old panels that we did this week Uh, we've had a lot of fun la comic con was great it was good to see old friends and make new ones Uh, And this is the last of the series. So here we go. We're talking zombies uh, and everything you wanted to know, but we're too alive to ask. Uh, Enjoy, guys. This panel series has been a lot of fun. And we'll see you guys at the next convention. And you'll hear us on the next Geekscape episode. So Geekscape forever. Welcome to uh, Zombies, Everything You Wanted to Know, but we're too alive to, I guess, find out about it. Um, We've done this panel. I'm Jonathan London. I put this panel together because I discovered zombies a little late in the game, but I love zombies. I overlooked zombies for a long time. I actually thought they were annoying (laughs) for a long time, and then I found found an appreciation for zombies uh, as a... We'll get into it, but um, Clark's been on this panel. Gavin's been on this panel. That's Gavin Hignite there at the end. Uh, you were on that panel when you were, worked at, at FearNet, and you have Is such. Anyone a ch- remember FearNet? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's long dead. D- yeah. Don't be mad at your former employers, all right, pal? We all get that feeling when we leave a job. But hey, that's in the past, man. That's You're right. a new guy right now, and he's making his films. He's working hard, and he's a filmmaker. He is so many things, but definitely a horror aficionado. Uh, and that's how we met, you know. Yeah. Um, Chelsea, t- tell me a little bit about yourself, because, like, we were introduced by John Schnitzer sitting over here, who I had on the Geekscape podcast, uh, because he made an amazing documentary called Haunters about haunted houses and the people who put them on. And if you haven't seen Haunters, you should definitely go see it and put it on. Where, where can you see it, John? It's, like, everywhere. It's on Netflix. Oh, hold on. There we go. go. I got it. It's on Netflix. It's um, we're gonna be at UCLA on Monday. Oh, cool! With um, UCLA Monday with a bunch of people from the movie, including somebody who went through McKamey Manor three times. Mm. Oh my God! And if you watch the movie, you'll know that McKamey Manor is a haunted house that people put on. That it feels very close to torture. Like it's not. It does not. I mean, it seems insane. It goes on for eight hours, and if you want to get out, he doesn't let you out. And it's completely horrific. You have to sign waivers and things like that to go through the thing. Because yeah. that's yeah. fun. Watch the documentary. Like Some of these haunted houses go way beyond just somebody jumping out at you. Um, but, Chelsea, tell me about yourself. Because um, you guys, we talked about uh, the panel on email. 
But he's like, dude, you're going to want her on there. And I was like, all right. I trust John <laughs> completely. So, hi, I'm Chelsea. I co-host the Dead Meat podcast. Um, it's part of the YouTube channel, Dead Meat, which is like its own bigger thing. Uh, but, yeah, I we do a lot of, like, American history on our podcast and kind of horror movies in relation to what's going on in history at that time. So zombies, for me, is one of the most interesting examples of that and how they correlate to our culture. So yeah. that's why I'm, like, pumped. I dressed up for this. I'm here. <laughs> I think it's awesome. <laughs> so, so I already have to ask, what genre is going to come out of this time period? This, I was Yesterday I was thinking that if we hadn't already had a wave of zombie movies, we would be having a wave of them right now. But we already rode that wave and we're sick of them. Sure. So we're in a really weird place, I think. Do you think that uh, witches will come back? I think they're already yeah, back in coming. full force for sure. Is there something you want to tell us, Clark? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's one of my favorite parts about genre, studying genre and, and as well, is, is how it correlates to political, the, the politics of a, or what a, what a society is afraid of, yeah. right? That's always usually the metaphor, whether it's, you know, Mary Shelley writing Frankenstein and the idea of man playing God or, you know, the zombies of past year yeah. so yeah I think too witches is such a good example because you have the witch you have the new Sabrina show on sure. Netflix you have the new Suspiria it's like angry women who are using magic to kind of we empower are, themselves we are accused of being in the middle of a witch hunt right now <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's every advertising yeah. um, Clark Wolf you guys should know her from I think a million different places <laughs> like to everywhere you are the first lady of the internet horror genre I think so well that's nice thank I you think, uh, no, I mean come on who else has it oh. but Rebecca McHenry is like oh so she's up there like star. she's a badass yeah she is but um I like who like there are a couple badass horror women on the internet but yeah. you're you've been doing it like you're not even that old and it's like you've been doing it forever and it drives me crazy it's like <laughs> <laughs> Clark has been hosting and making horror content online for as long as I've known you, and that's a long time because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I can I uh, confirmed yes, yeah. cosine yes, that is correct. So I put down uh, I put together this panel of people that know a ton more than me, and and I think John was nervous. He texted me yesterday. I was like, hey man, what are we gonna cover? What are we gonna cover? I was like, dude, there's so much to cover. There's with zombies. an entire world. There's, there's an, an entire, entire bit of it. There's so much to cover. And to go back to what I was saying earlier, to me, um, I didn't have an appreciation for zombies until in college I saw. Romero's original Night of the Living Dead and I was just totally blown away by how scary that movie is especially the trowel scene in the basement and how like oh, oh, zombie alert zombie alert I <laughs> hope they <laughs> oh, Amber Alert going out like I hope I mean watching that trowel scene just blew me away and then Geekscape the, the website brand podcast that I do was asked to sponsor some zombie conventions in Seattle in 2009 10 11 somewhere there and we did it for a couple years and Romero was a guest of honor and I thought, wow, this is a guy who is talking about this genre the same way Stan Lee, who's like one of my heroes, talks about comic books and superheroes as like these classic metaphors. And um, and I thought that was incredible. It was in that that time period that Geekscape was asked to co-produce Doc of the Dead, the documentary. And at first I was like, ah, I don't know, man, the zombie thing, even though it was super popular with like the beginning of Walking Dead and all that stuff, I was like, I don't know how much long this is gonna last. And I made a deal with the director, Alexander, that if we could get Simon Pegg and George Romero in the movie, we'll, uh, like, we'll make the movie. Because uh, obviously you want those heavy hitters to start off with and then go get people that we ended up getting, like Max Brooks and Robert Kirkman. But um, I still wasn't sold on the zombie. I thought it was super cool. Zombie walks are fun. But I still wasn't sold on like why they were so popular. And... I think you've heard the story, Clark, but, but Simon, when we were interviewing him uh, for the movie, said they are the most perfect, beautiful metaphor for death because, like, you kind of have to be a jerk to become a vampire or, like, a werewolf. <laughs> like, if you become a werewolf, like, where were you? That, like, you ran into a werewolf. Those dudes in were American Werewolf in London, like, what were you doing in the moors? Like, like what were you doing? And then, like, a vampire, like... What like whose castle or club did you go to late at night that turned you into a vampire? Like just come on, man. Like chill out. And uh, but a zombie is death, and it's coming for all of us. And it doesn't matter how healthy or wealthy or uh, ahead of the game you are. Death comes for all of us equally. And I thought that was beautiful. And 
immediately just justified how what Clark said, Romero more than anybody was just had his finger on the pulse with every one of his dead movies, whether he was talking about uh, communism and McCarthyism in, in that first Not Living It Dead into American consumerism with Dawn of the Dead and then the American like war industrial complex with Day of the Dead, he just had his finger on the pulse of the social political spectrum and zombies were a beautiful metaphor for it. That sold me on making the documentary and then uh, with Alexander and, and I was fascinated by how we in post 9-11 uh, have this barrage of imagery of our own mortality with Katrina and tsunamis and earthquakes and things like that and Walking Dead, here it comes and we will deal with fiction but we will not deal with like the real stuff. So it goes back to what you guys are saying. And now we're, it seems like Walking Dead is less popular. It seems like zombies are kind of going down. Yet I have a theory on that. Yet we're worried about our own mortality exactly. and the future of the world more than ever. Yeah, I think people... That was a fun show six, seven years ago when you weren't worried about the reality of sure. man turning against man. And now we're in this time that's so stressful that people... It's, it's, it's like... No, like the Marvel movies right now are the musicals of the 1940s, right? Mm -hmm. It's That's the escapism. Great. Yeah. That's so cool. So That's is there a place? Big studio production. <laughs> I will ask the, the panel, like, is there a place, before we get into the nitty gritty mm -hmm. of all the different specifics of zombies, is there a place for zombies in 2018 and in the future? I was kind of, I'm lifelong Romero fan. I went out to the 25th anniversary of Night Living Dead when I was like 17. Uh, it's, it's, it's shit's in my blood. I love it. And I'm a little played out on it now. And I was thinking, oh, you know, we're going to do this panel. I don't know. How do I bring my energy into this? And I was like, well, I need to go out and look at the stuff I, I've not been paying attention mm. to. And, and like I talked with Jonathan, I, I watched a Korean film called Train to Busan. Yes. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, <laughs> zombies are cool again. You know, like yeah. it's just it's now to me, it's about other people's interpretation uh, uh, than what I've seen so far. Mm -hmm. to, to piggyback off of that, Train to Busan was the thing. I was doing a show called Nightmares on Collider Video for a little while, and our audience was was tweeting and commenting and saying, when are you guys going to talk about Train to Busan? When are you going to talk? And I was, I, I was like, no, I'm so over zombies. And they were like, but Clark, it's the best zombie movies in 10, in 10 years. And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care how good it is. I'm, I'm done. But because the, they were they were so adamant, I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then I watched it, and it is. It's, it's a beautiful film. It's so entertaining and well done. But to piggyback off of what you were saying, and, you know, I personally find it really hard to be hopeful, um, and I struggle with that on a regular basis. But with something like Train to Busan, it's such a human story, and there is such a lovely... Uh, there's such a lovely story amidst the chaos through yeah. line thank yeah. you yes um and so i actually feel like it, it i found it to be quite hopeful and i found the zombie subgenre to allow for hope when everything is caving in around you and you feel so overwhelmed and you see a story a beautiful story about a family yeah. um and love and relationships and and all those things i kind of was like oh wow how interesting that in this dark time it, and it's not reinventing the wheel not by any all. means, no. but it um, that that was what I kind of took away from it, and so I thought that's really cool. That the first, oh, I'm sorry, Clark. But the, the first 15 minutes of that movie is this father's inability to be an adequate father for his daughter, and there's not a whole lot of zombie in the beginning, yeah. other than that very opening teaser uh, where you see it a reanimated animal. But um, you realize that that threat is happening around this like really his, central his relationships yeah, yeah. Uh, between a, a father and a daughter and you know they're driving to the train station and there's a bunch of medical emergency vehicles on the road and they you know they don't know why but they, they, they're going to get on a train and yeah, Does, and, uh, and, they, and they spend so much time on that relationship that you're just watching a good movie in the, yeah. in the zombie yeah. apocalypse you realize how much zombies else. aren't even in it for yeah. that much yeah. of it and I think that's what makes the Romero movie so good too is you, f you almost forget it's a zombie movie until they're all piled up outside the door. You know? <laughs> right. That's, yes. that's the thing, right? If it's a good character story mm -hmm. about people that you care about, then, yeah, it doesn't matter if they're in it or not. Only every 10 minutes you get a good jump scare or someone gets bit. Or, uh, who here has seen the, the Dawn of the Dead remake? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Right? You know, like the first 15 minutes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Train to Busan is a whole feature film <laughs> of the first 15 minutes of that yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the recommendation, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have, have, you guys, have you guys seen um, um, One Cut of the Dead? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I that's why I okay. brought you here for the deep cuts. Yeah, what you is and Clark. Tell so us what that yeah, is. it is, and I is it, does it have? A, I saw it at Fantastic Fest. I, so I saw it at Sidges. Okay, got it. And so One Cut of the Dead was made for twenty-seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars, Japanese film, and, uh, and the bonus feature. They have, a, have, they have an extra bonus features thing that. Uh, Into your mic, please, sir. Into the mic, please. <laughs> There's no mic. Yeah. Hello. Can you hear? Me? Oh yeah. yeah. I gotta get real. Yeah, you gotta get All right, close. I'm gonna get really into this mic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, one cut careful. of the dead is like you know they spent twenty seven thousand dollars as a Japanese movie. It's hysterically funny and so much fun. It keeps winning the audience favorite award yeah. at every festival it's at. At Sidges, it's in the, it was in the largest theater that I think seats close to two thousand people, wow. and there was it was massive that they had to keep adding more screenings of it. Wow. And yeah, so you cannot kill the zombie genre. I will refuse to have anyone say zombie genre will die because as long as there's a new way of telling the story, if you keep doing the same thing a million times over, it'll die. But Mick Garris is the one who always says a horror film only works if it works also as a drama. You have to care about the people, right? It, the watered-down knockoffs of things are the things that we never talk about. We only talk about the ones that burn in our brains for better or for worse, and there's so many interesting zombie sub-genres. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, look what Shaun of the Dead did. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead made me laugh hysterically, and at the same time, it was scary. Yeah. They did that Day of the Dead effect when they were ripping apart the guy's guts, mm-hmm. and when it happened, you're like, no! And you had like a total emotional attachment, you know? It's, it's for a so comedy, yeah. For a com- In a yeah. comedy, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's, uh, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head that that every so-and-so years, someone reinvents it. And that's the one we all talk about, you know? Uh, 28 Days Later, oh, yeah. when that hit, none of us were expecting yeah. it. Any fans of that one? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yes. Yes. And the sequel. Yeah, 28 Weeks too. Later, if you guys haven't seen it, is so, so good. good. Talk about opening sequences oh, that will melt your brain yeah. with emotions and fear. Two little girls <laughs> like, hey, yeah, so daddy's back. <laughs> that movie, I mean, yeah. the opening of... Robert today. Carlyle is awesome. He's a treasure. Yeah. He is a treasure. Um, that was the fun thing about that one, too, yeah. is that you had the great moral ambiguity yes. of, like, what would you do in the worst-case scenario? Would you be the hero for your family, or are you going to run away and try to save yourself? Mm-hmm. And they do such a good job, especially at opening scene of, of as I'm watching it, going, I would, I'd fucking run. I'd run. Look at, look at him run. Look, yeah. how, look how good it feels to run. Yeah. It was so scary to watch. And you're like, there's no way he's gonna make it to the boat. There's no way he's gonna make it to the boat. And then it's like, oh, you're gonna deal with the aftermath of that. That's so I good. I mean, there's so many. Well, and it's accountability, right? Like touching on again themes that are buried and buried and buried and throughout this throughout this metaphor. But the idea of using using the virus or or the dead or whatever you want to call it to examine accountability mm-hmm. is so it, I got chills just thinking about it. And we're always talking about accountability yes. these days. So yes. maybe I mean there's a way to I mean uh, pun intended effort breathe new life into this yeah. genre. Um, uh, part of me thinks that uh, Mr. Kirkman created his own competition like his goal with The Walking Dead was I watch a zombie movie after two hours. I don't know what happens to the people. I want to, but you're, they're still stuck in that world where the dead have come back to life. And so the brilliance of The Walking Dead initially was that, yeah, we're going to see this zombie movie well beyond two hours. And then it kept going. And, and, and I think that, did it become its own competition? Did other people come along and become its competition, educated by The Walking Dead? And it kind of became everything. Yeah, I in think the genre. so. And I, I think, too. Uh, I'm a huge fan of that show, yeah. but just emotionally, I, I just couldn't. I, I just started to burn out. Um, and that's, you know, I mean, maybe if it was the real world zombie apocalypse, there'd be a point where I burned out there too, you know? Yeah. Like this. Well, and, and respectfully, because I, I love Team Skybound and everybody yeah. over there, they are fabulous creators and, and very brilliant. But I think The Walking Dead as a TV show has always been a soap opera with zombies, you know, as kind sure. of the hook, right. um, as opposed to a genre show looking to tell a, a, a real human story. Not saying there aren't elements of that, but I think that's where uh, the show is getting tripped up right now. Is 
always like they didn't play by soap opera rules essentially like yeah. I, tr truly like if you're going to have a show run for 20 years which in theory it totally could mm -hmm. you, you got to kind of structure in such a way yeah. so and and maybe uh Character-wise, clean house every, you know, exactly. Like uh, Doctor Who has has a perfect gimmick in within it to you know regenerate itself every so and so years, so it it continues fresh. And not that you want to see all these characters that you're invested in just die off, because that's one of the hardest things with Walking Dead. I don't know about you guys, but issue 100 of the comic, I, I couldn't go past it. You know? Really? Yeah, the, that was the Glenn, Glenn issue. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that was my favorite. Yeah. Because I was like, here we go. Yeah. This off. is real. And the thing about Walking Dead, and I love Walking Dead. But one of the only problems with it that I have is that the leader was a cop before. True. And look at every other zombie apocalypse movie. It's always about, you know, the everyday person. It's the like powerless? Is always, what's that? The powerless? Yes. It's, like, it's, well, it's, it's the person everybody. who rises. Yeah. yeah it's right. like what George Romero said. It's the blue-collar monster. It's the one that can affect all of us. You know, Dracula's in the castle. The zombies are here with all of us. And look at look at the two werewolves are a Burning Man. Right. And like, you, you got it. <laughs> Coachella is where that will start. Okay. <laughs> 2004's uh, Dawn of the Dead. Was it 2004? Yeah. I think yeah. yeah. I mean, I loved that one of the heroes was a he was a copy machine salesman before. Totally. It's like every. It's like. His society. skills will come to use. Yeah, well, it's one of those things where, you know, in society, you know, we're chained down by, like, you are your job mm -hmm. kind of a thing. And in the apocalypse, you get to rise to who you could actually be if you weren't constrained by, oh, I got to make rent and all that stuff. So that's the fun thing about looking at every zombie movie. It's always like... You know, it's a kick-ass woman in charge. Yeah, <laughs> You're yeah I'm just here. as Barb. I'm just as Barbara from the remake. Oh, from the 90s. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. <laughs> now I'm excited. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. You know, or 28 Days Later. You know, he had an African American woman that's yeah. kicking ass and chopping off arms. I mean, you're looking at every single version of these things. It's always like, oh, it's about the minority. It's about, but it's also about the underrepresented, the underserved, and People who feel powerless can feel powerful in a zombie apocalypse storyline, which is always what I was so strange. From issue one of Walking Dead, I was like, oh, he was a cop? Yeah. And he's used to telling people what to do, and now he's still telling people what to do. That's mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. That's and getting well, them killed. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, dude. Yeah, and then contrast that to something like Day of the Dead, yeah. where the people who live are, it's what, like a scientist, and it's like a group of, yeah, like you said, it's, it's the underrepresented all listening to each other and cooperating, not because they're stronger, because they literally are facing off against the military in that movie. Yeah. They went out. We, we have to talk about Barb for a second, too, though, because of this costume. <laughs> she, this is so, so everyone here has seen Night of the Living Dead, right? Yeah. 68, black and white. How many people have seen this remake from 1990 that Tom Savini made? You've got to see it. It's a great, it's it's a great um, revision of the film. And I'm going to give you a spoiler. Uh, 20 so years ahead of, because now we're seeing strong, kick-ass female characters holding films. They did it then, and it was such an interesting turn. Um, uh, you know, Night Living Dead empowered, you know, uh, Ben. He was one of the, my favorite film mm -hmm. characters. Yeah. And Savini, uh, who's not really known for being a filmmaker, he, he made a really cool choice in that 1990 movie that holds up to today's standards where so many horror movies from that time period don't. It, but it always starts in horror, I feel like. We, that's where Ripley came out of, you know? Totally. And mm -hmm. That surprised everybody. We went to see this Tom Skerritt movie. Well, <laughs> and we're like, Tom Skerritt's going to kick ass. <laughs> nope. By the end of that movie, Tom Skerritt's begging for death. Yeah. Like, there's literally a scene where he's like, kill me. And we're like, oh, bye, Tom. And yeah. it's and Ripley's movie. Aliens, it's Ripley and a little girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, a, it's amazing to see who's surviving. It starts with all of us. That's yeah. what we're saying. Yeah. So the people that look forward to horror people. So Chelsea, take us through a bit of the history. Like, um, what, what are some of the things that are parallel to this genre that led to this need for empowerment that we have going to the theater and having this communal experience watching horror movies and zombies specifically. Yeah, I mean, so I think the biggest one, and this isn't necessarily, you know, specifically the women's empowerment movement, but just in general, the biggest parallel I can think of politically is the original wave of, of zombies as we know it, modern zombies. So this is like Romero zombies. Zombies were totally different before Night the of the Dead. Yeah. Yes, the they were like voodoo creatures. That, yeah, from Haitian mythology. Very, very different. Um, you can make so many parallels between that 1968 movie and the Vietnam War, I think is like one of the biggest, biggest 
um, cultural parallels that we have. Because um, think about what's going on at the time is we have people who find, everyone's got TVs in their house now. Whereas before we don't really, and we have the war going on at the same time. So for the first time ever, we're country at war and we're having images of war brought into our living rooms. Mm. It's literally the dead invading our living rooms and it's amazing to kind of look at how that parallels something like Night of the Living Dead coming out where it is, it's the dead invading a very typical American, like middle American farmhouse. It is brilliant because wasn't the whole idea to just redo I Am Legend, but he didn't have the money to option the I Am Legend book, which Richard Matheson wrote, I think, the best horror book or story of all time in I Am Legend. Yeah. <laughs> and they can't get that movie right ever. I mean, it should have just been John Carpenter and Kurt Russell in the 80s. Like, let's just leave it at that. Like, that should have been a 1984 movie with totally. those two guys, and it would have killed. If we ever build a time machine, that'll yeah, be our that's, first that's thing. Like, John one. Carpenter, you need to stop what you're doing and make this movie with Kurt Russell, which mm -hmm. is, but, but that might cost you, like, the thing. That mm -hmm. might cost you, like, right. like they, they live. Like, what yeah. are you going to do? Like, And then in trying to do, it's the I Am Legend ending, right, where our yeah. main character Spoilers. becomes the legend <laughs> yeah exactly he's he's you know the last man on earth quote unquote not so really but he that, and, and by the way last man on earth Vincent Price if you guys have not seen have anyone seen that movie any hands? Oh, that's you, probably the best version of I Am Legend that's been adopted. Yeah. Uh, adapted. I mean, it's no so offense fun. to Omega Man. Omega Man. I was going <laughs> to say, that movie is great. That's well, 100% Anglo-Saxon, baby. It's the Saxon, first maybe. interracial relationship on film, like mainstream well, film ever. It's a again, cool movie. It's not horror is the one that... Great, that, that I, what is it about the horror genre that takes these you know, societal needs and puts them on yeah. film? It's people who take chances. Well, sure. It's like saying, forget out. You know, if I, if I said, hey, I have a drama... It's gonna be really depressing about race relations in America today. It's like, oh God, this sounds yeah, like who's a real gonna bummer. fund that, right? It's a get out. It's like you're gonna laugh, you're gonna scream, you're gonna freak out, and then at the end you're gonna have a whole conversation and debate. The idea of horror that you can confront your worst fears while escaping them at the same time, while talking about something else at the same time. Horror and fantasy and sci-fi have always done that. They've always been the best way to do that because you can be a little <laughs> bit removed but totally in the conversation. John, I think those movies get made. Like, I think the movie that you just proposed do get made by, like, filmmakers like Steve McQueen, et cetera, but sure. they're not popularized. This is a genre that brings the teenagers to the conversation, yeah. I think is what I just realized in what you were saying. Was, yeah. Oh, you're right. It, they, it takes the risk, but beyond that, it popularizes them. And what's a more popular, like, metaphor than... Uh, uh, than something that affects all of us, which is zombies, mm -hmm. as a matter, you know, the death metaphor. Um, we're discovering a lot of things here in the, in the this, is, this is a very effective panel, we're learning a lot. Um, but let's go back to post-Vietnam. What were the needs there that we ended up with still needing this monster? And yeah. a part of me is leaning towards what does the zombie look like tomorrow? So what I was thinking about is, so the original, it's going back to the Night of the Living Dead, like the original versus the remake, I think is a really good example. So the ending of the original, um, unintentionally so, George Romero has said this was not intentional, but it really reflects where we're at as a culture in terms of race relations, um, in terms of how we see each other. The ending of that movie, um, I know, I think I was reading an interview with Jordan Peele who said like, even if that wasn't an intentional ending, how can you not read something into that? Sure. So then you look at the remake and it's tweaked a bit. Barbara has like, yeah, like a bullet vest on. She's a 180 from the original and that's highly reflective of the, the strides of the women's movement made in the 70s that hadn't happened so yet. So you had like the 1964 civil rights movement now in a 1968 movie and now in 1990 you have the, the I mean, it might, you yeah. know, it's and like nine to five Dolly Parton yes. fighting zombies. And two in the 80s, there's also like a backlash against the progress made in the 70s for the women's rights movement. So Barbara and that one almost feels like a backlash to the backlash yeah, of totally. the 80s, yeah. Yeah, it's like the 80s, you get like movies like Revenge of the Nerds and all these things yeah. that are just horrible if you see them now. Porkies yeah. and meat, porkies and meatballs, are you, they don't I, hold up? You know what, they, oh they don't God. respect women in those films. What? Weird. What about Ski uh, Patrol? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Ski Patrol. There are. Talk about a horror movie. Uh, the horror the most crimes. And then 1990 comes, mm -hmm. and you're right, and it's like, you know what? 
you know, slap in the face. Well, and to answer your question, Jonathan, about what it looks like tomorrow, um, there was a movie that unfortunately didn't get a huge release here in the U.S., but you can watch it digitally now called The Girl with All the Gifts, which was, yeah, which is um, a great, you know, film out of the U.K. I don't know why it wasn't called 28 Years Later. I mean, it was basically like the third in the trilogy that I'm never going to get. So I just watched them all that way. But the idea of moving past the idea of being infected well, what's that one about it's about okay. the, all the kids are in the uh, quarantine yeah i saw the trailer but i was like too scary too scary well gavin, see, gavin didn't <laughs> too I, scary. I host ladies and gentlemen yeah. it, correct me if i'm wrong guys because i i only i only saw the movie once um but the the th main thrust is there's a little girl who is infected with the virus or whatever it is that causes one to be like a flesh-eating being but she can control it is that it or, or there's sure. a way to work with her and and this one teacher takes an interest in her but then there's always going to be a an authoritative presence who says no you are infected therefore you are not human therefore I don't care if you think or feel or breathe or whatever I don't care that you are a child I don't care that you are yeah. vulnerable you must be experimented on destroyed etc um it's like Bub and yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. And he's my favorite. And this I want to see a whole movie. <laughs> <Bob is his laughs> Watch that. And this little girl is so compelling. But the idea is, I think that moving forward, what is the next phase? Well, maybe the next phase is is um, people who are you know able to function or people who are the infected who are not the mindless eating machines. And having to live with that. How do we live with that? How do we live with the aftermath? And so, I don't know. We're, uh, I was like that one yeah. with Ellen Page. Did you see that one? It, well, it reminded me of like an X-Men origin story. When I saw the, mm -hmm. the trailer for it, I was like, oh, here's the person who actually had that new gene that is like dormant, but now, like, now that mm -hmm. she's a zombie, can be the basis for a cure, and she's the progressive right. threat. Right, it was a, it was and now a, we're it was faced a great with idea because it yeah. was like, oh, what if you got cured after you'd been a zombie, mm -hmm. and you have to deal with your memories of what you did to people? Mm. It also happened. right. It also reminds me of like even a few years ago, and this is a constant theme I think too with like the recurrence of the zombie genre is. The, you know, the, the fear of the Ebola pandemic and the way that we treated doctors who were treating Ebola, you right. know? Like, yeah. the oh, idea yeah. that they're tainted somehow because they've worked with these patients and the total misunderstanding of that virus, you know? So when we have a horde of 2,000 people heading towards our southern border, which they want to, like, you know, and we can politicize this all we want, but that's always been this genre. And when we have our southern border being, you know, threatened with like a wall and this and that, and the people who get through, you actually put them in cages. I think that's a perfect backdrop for, right. I mean, it's like we're almost living through this. Does that exhaust the genre or does it drive well, the genre? Does know, that make sense? Uh, I'm the reality. Does it exhaust it or drive a it? a cartoon about building walls. It's called Attack on Titan. Any sure. fans? Yeah. And Attack on Titan? It is a brilliant yeah. anime that I think is a post-zombie type um, reflection. And it's about, it's way in Earth's future, and it's about people living in walled cities to keep these titans out, which are basically like, you know, 20-foot uh, zombies. Uh, <laughs> right. It's a terrifying show. Um, you know what? The walls don't help. Yeah, no, they just pick you up and eat. Yeah, they don't help. Um, but it makes for an interesting, it's a different kind of story. You know, this, this and I, that's where I think... Uh, like Trinity Busan and, and like this anime Attack on Titan, I just think the the future for me, I see zombie stuff is this wild interpretations. You know, oh well, what if there's you know a girl we can teach who who could be the key, but these people don't want her. You know, sure. I think that's oh. that's what we're gonna see is oh. innovation or the idea that the horde. Um, is like when I look at, when I think about a horde now, I think a lot about fascism. I think a lot about uh, Nazi Germany. I think a lot about seeing a mass of people moving in a direction coordinated together. Um, Maybe in a van covered in stickers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Woof. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so that I think that, you know, we've seen it. We, I think in the past, a lot of times the, 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 zombie horde has been mindless mm -hmm. and I think what's interesting is the idea of manipulating that horde and you can still play with the the idea of 
is this a thinking creature? Is this just a carnal creature? And what if somebody could harness the, um, or weaponize yeah. the, yeah. the, the, yeah, weaponize this horde. Yeah. And, and we, oh, sorry. Oh, no, you got it. I was just say, without spoilers, that's kind of the stuff that Attack on Titan goes into that's so fascinating, is you, you go into the series thinking these things are mindless, and with the characters you start to discover, oh, no, there's a plan, and we're on the bad end of it, yeah. I was watching an interview with George Romero from, like, 2003-ish, and he was talking about how you know, when faced, when facing this this mindless horde and kind of what we're we're facing today, unfortunately, he kind of stressed like it feels like we never learn. It feels like we never learn to um, try to understand others who are different mm-hmm. and try to listen to different ideas. And he, it was really, he just seemed really sad. And it's yeah, he, I think that was kind of his his overall point with the genre is we. You know, we're so ineffective when we can't empathize with other people. Those, uh, there's a level of sympathy that he has for his creatures. In those later movies, the gas attendant is still going back to be a gas attendant. And there's like a tragedy to it. Unless they're woken up by the smell of flesh and they are drawn to that, they go back to their everyday routine of life. It's like this muscle memory keeps them going through it. And and I always found that incredibly sad. It was like... humanizing. It was like, you know, it's like seeing the silhouettes of somebody who had been atomized or been in a volcanic... uh, They died as they lived. Yeah, but in Land of the Dead... In Land of the Dead, that's... Land of the Dead, that's where they start wanting to take action and revenge... That's when they're he, they had a leader. They organized, yeah. Yeah, and they had guns. They figured out how to use them. They're going against people. You know, that was um, they're getting their li- their personalities back. And obviously, in something like the novel Breathers or uh, the what was the movie that came out where you could be where they undid the zombie. The, it was a romantic com- like Warm comedy. Bodies. Oh, Warm bodies. Warm yeah. bodies. You know, I don't know if you've ever read Breathers, the book. Um, no. It, but yeah, warm bodies. You start to see like this. Oh, what if they're what? What is past the zombie? What is once the infection? And I think honestly, when we were making Doc of the Dead, one of the the things I was fascinated by was talking to all the preppers because mm, I wanted to bring that up. At the end of the day, we are talking about a fictitious creature we've never s- seen or experienced, but we are all. Uh, living with this idea of, well, what would we do? It forces us to say, what would we do? We won't go and get a flu shot, but we will be like, oh, I'm going yeah, I'm I'm to sharpen a bat. I'm going to put yeah. na- nails through a bat and just hang out. And like, The fact is, like, we, uh, post-zombie, would probably be living amongst humans in a pretty like, shattered society. And that's the reality I think we're actually talking about what's your human survival plan? Because zombie survival plan, like, they can be radioactive, they can be drawn to blood. They can, I mean, the, the bite is a pretty hard way to communicate a disease. Like, it does, a dog in your neighborhood gets rabies, not every dog gets rabies. Like, it just doesn't happen that way. But cough, cough is a pretty scary way to transmit a disease. And in the process of making the movie, we did talk to people from uh, the government who admitted to having some of these diseases. And they created them in the Cold War because Russia was developing things like an aggressive strain of uh, what is mad cow, but mad cow is communicable through blood and saliva. Um, but it's 100% fatal. That thing just needs to go airborne. So things like prion diseases and stuff like that became really horrific to me and didn't entirely make it into the film. But we talked to uh, a Dr. Cribs down at UC Irvine, who's one of the head researchers for Alzheimer's. And we were talking about diseases that are way up the food chain, are formed by protein folds way up the food, uh, the, the food chain, which happens when you eat too high up, like cannibalism. And it leads to these prion diseases that can trick their way into the brain the same way Alzheimer's, rabies, et cetera, a mad cow can. And it's some scary stuff because they just mutate when they want to. They don't, they're not like normal viruses that hit your body's defenses and decide how to get around it. They just wake up one day and are like, hey, I feel like going airborne. And now it's like run and scream and don't go to Costco because there are other humans there at time. Yeah. But what, what is your thoughts on a human survival plan? What are yours? 
Have you thought about this? I hope that you've thought about this. Come on, the news has forced you to think about this for the last two years. Bottled water, a lot of bottled yeah. water. <laughs> I can't wait to steal your bottled water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking this away from me. But I, look, well, look what happens in like in Flint, Michigan. What's going on right. in Austin, Texas, right now? And look what happens when you uh, damage a water supply. And it's always done. I, when I looked at what was happening in Flint, Michigan, I was like, oh my God, this is a zombie movie right here. Yeah. I mean, it's a politician making a deal with a friend to change out the, the pipes that never had a problem ever before. But it's like, this is a great way to make money for all, yeah. all me and my friends. And of course, then has led to what? They still don't have clean water in Flint, Michigan. This has been going on since God. for years now. Yeah. And for years, they don't have fresh water. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is the type of stuff you think about when you think about a zombie movie. You think about. <laughs> First, who's to blame? Because whoever's to blame, then you, you have an idea of like where it's coming from. Okay, so if it's the government, then it's going to be something like our that's been put into our infrastructure. If it's the military, like the first time military was ever used in a zombie movie that I remember was in Return of the Living Dead. Sure. And it was the military's fault because <laughs> they lost those bodies and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I love reading uh, Max Brooks because it's so much fun to see all the different ways he came up with it. I love that he had that one character, the samurai, the blind samurai, who lives up on the, on the mountain, and so he can actually hear the dead coming towards him, and he can lure them and get them off the side, very simply. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, I mean, it's great, but like we know that when a body is dead, that the, water, that the blood doesn't circulate, and if you've ever seen a dead body, the, you roll it over and it's purple on, and black on one end from the body, from gravity just bringing the body to the bottom. Like, uh, zombies would be, like their feet would pop off after a couple of days. You know, the you know, bugs would eat them. The weather would destroy the, uh, them. The Walking but we'd Dead be comic really explored with some humans. Of it was cool. Like, you know, they were safer in winter because, you know, the, th the bodies, yeah. the walkers couldn't move. And I was, I was always disappointed ropes. the show didn't kind of explore those aspects a little bit more because I thought that that was fascinating. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do snow in Atlanta. It was, yeah, cool. <laughs> it was cool that they had the well walker, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the well walker in season two was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Super bloated and, like, oh. just ready to pop. Yeah, <laughs> there are zombie. That would be uh, a Walmart. <laughs> there are zombie militias out there that like it's it's kind of like an uh, a LARPing almost kind of thing where they they really do they'll prep for for the zombie apocalypse and it's like a legitimate hobby of theirs. I really want to go to one of their drills if anyone's part of one. I will we will come, Demi will come and film it. We'll put it on the channel. <laughs> it's a dream. But it is amazing to kind of look at the rise of these quote unquote zombie militias and and books like uh, Max Brooks's book and all these like real world like really grounding it like it's like survival prep and how much that tracks with real like legit doomsday yeah. preppers i mean there's a reality show i think on nat geo about doomsday are preppers. we still it's talking about zombies at that point exactly it's like the lines get so blurred because the preparation becomes so similar there was a guy i remember on the five the guy who would build um bug out shelters <laughs> when you drive on the five right before you got city to city of industry there was a guy who would build shelters and we went to interview him and he was talking about how he makes these shelters that you can like survive fallout. It's got filters for air. It's got everything, and you can survive in those things for years until everything clears out and you can climb up out of it. And I was like, "Well, that's fantastic. Where's yours?" And he goes, "I ain't telling you." <laughs> and I was like, uh, "Well, knowing Los Angeles's real estate prices, he probably didn't put it on his property because you can't afford to make property to put a giant compound under the ground in there." And I was like, well, it's probably out in the desert, right? And he's like, maybe. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so let's just say a dirty bomb goes off in Los Angeles. You have to clear out because uh, there's fallout. Or let's just say there's an earthquake and you, like, no drinking water. Everybody's going to come into your shop and start coming after you for your, your water. Uh, you know. um, how are you going to get to your shelter? Have you been in 5 o'clock traffic on a Friday? <laughs> like, <laughs> when the, the S apocalypse. hits the F... How are you going to get out to Barstow to climb into your shelter? Like, it's an insane idea. Well, have you heard about those um, preppers, the like multi-millionaire preppers that have a big thing in New Zealand? And they're what? Okay, this was just how the on heck are you going to get to New Zealand? National Public Radio just had this story on like a couple months ago. Did you hear this thing? Freaked me out. And they're talking about the amount of money they've spent and how the idea is when the shit hits the fan, you got to get to this. You got to get to your private jet. <laughs> 
and then that's going to take you over to New Zealand. But then we're all going to the airports. We're all going for his private jet. Everyone was calling the show because it was just like, well, what about the pilots? The pilots, is there a space for them? Are they just flying there and then they're fucked? And (laughs) they're the food. I know. Immediately, it was like, wait a minute. (laughs) But it's also like, how how do you make sure the pilots can be by the jet at the time? Yeah, I do like. You I just like sleep that. on the jet waiting for the rich dude yeah, to come and show up. You're like, forever. start the plane! Start the plane! Who knows when this will happen, right? <laughs> I mean, the, the assumption is these people have so much money, they're going to get the warning before the rest of us get the warning uh, by enough time. How do you time. get to the airport? Right, especially if it's like 3 p.m. in Los Angeles. You're, it's over for you. It's like, I can't... I can't Probably like helicopter. Yeah, yeah oh. a helicopter. It's like, dude, we will be hanging off that helicopter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, well, if you hear a helicopter, we're heading to the helicopter. So I have a question about... Uh, the like, so just listening over the last ten minutes, I feel terrible. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you haven't hollowed out your wall, <laughs> which is consistent. I feel like I feel terrible often, and all no. the time. Uh, but I wonder. So to get back to the 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 art of of the zombie, whether it's a comic or whether it's a TV show or a movie or animation, do we think that, for instance, like just to give an example, a very basic example that kind of touches on some of my discomfort, I can't bring myself to watch Handmaid's Tale. Mm. I have so many people mm-hmm. tell me like, oh, but Clark, it's so good. And I'm yeah. like, cool, I, not ready. I, I started I, it and It's couldn't. like the flu yeah. shot. Yeah. It's like, nah, too real. I, I'm all set. So, but that said, I do wonder, is there room right now in pop culture and entertainment for something like this, that it, an, a resurgence of zombies that can be popular? You know what I mean? Or, or, and I don't even, I'm not talking about fatigue. Like, I'm not talking about, right. oh, I, I'm not watching Train to Busan because I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm talking about like, is there is there room for audiences to to accept that or or would they say like not because because that then again you guys are all here I was also thinking about that like if the idea that the zombie boom is like is it waning or whatever you know there there's a convention panel that's half full here uh, of people who are clearly interested in talking about the the creature so well, one cut of the dead did it for me I mean I was surprised to see how many people like that was the number one movie in Japan. A $27,000 made independent mm-hmm. film was the number one movie in Japan. It's their Blair Witch. It's insane. It's amazing. Yeah. And then you think about it, it's like, then to see it be the big winner at all these different festivals for o- the Audience Award, because people loved it so much. And this is audiences that have seen everything in the genre. So, yeah, there's a lot of hope, I think. When you, when I, it's when original. I, I think to answer Clark's question, I think... Uh, zombie stuff's going to retreat back to cult. I think it's going to retreat back to being counterculture for a while. In the mainstream, probably not. I don't think the mainstream has the emotional bandwidth for, you know, we, we do need our Marvel movies right now. What about Marvel our, zombies? Yeah, oh, yeah, no, right. <laughs> okay, well, when you put two genres they did together... It the, they did it in that, the comics. I know. I, um, but I do think... Yeah, and it's okay that zombies are going to go kind of backseat and back to the, the counterculture, because that's, I mean, that's where it found its legs and was cool anyways. I think too, because um, if you look at what's really popular right now, is everything's very uh, like we were talking about witchcraft earlier, but everything is very heightened and kind of magical. Like, look at you know what movies are making or what horror movies at least are making the most money. It's you know you have it. It's right. it's all horror with magic and something supernatural. So I almost wonder if the type of zombie movie that would be most appealing to people right now is maybe a return to zombies being almost a cartoon. If you watch the old Romero movies, they're blue and green. You have one that's a ballerina and one that's a football player. They're really heightened and kind of... They're not silly, but they're fun. Yeah, like Return of the Living Dead, too. Yeah, Yeah. and I think maybe that's... Because I think right now it all feels a little too real, you know? Another genre that's doing really well right now in horror is revenge. Sure. And it's it's, uh, from Mandy with Nick Cage uh, to the movie Revenge, Revenge, which I loved. Revenge was such a badass movie about a woman on revenge. It's like the female Rambo meets Kill Bill. Sure. And it was completely amazing. So I I think there might be room for zombie revenge, mm. using the zombies to get your own revenge, too. Hmm. Uh, let's leave it up for a couple questions from you guys. Uh, obviously, you guys have heard what we have to say. What are you guys interested in? Let's show, show a hands. We'll pick you guys out, and you can ask this 
panel of experts. While people are thinking of their questions, uh, we, we were talking earlier about like the origins of the zombie and how Romero's ghoul kind of pushed it forward. And so I just wanted to give a quick shout out to um, Serpent in the Rainbow, which sort mm -hmm. of deals with uh, the, the, the Haitian idea. Mm -hmm. And so it's a fun Wes Craven movie, really well acted. And uh, not a lot of people, it's it's not super fun, but right. it's, a, it's <laughs> a really great movie. So if you're interested in maybe an example of a of a different flavor, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The serpent in the rainbow. And this gentleman had his hand. Yes, sir. We'll repeat the question. Um, actually, the question I had. Oh yeah, it's yeah. a good one. Tokyo yeah. Ghoul. The question was about post-zombie yeah. genres, and Tokyo Ghoul came up as an example. What? What yeah, is that? Um, I'm not super familiar with that series. Uh, like a subclass. Yeah. And so Zombies and yeah, and marginalization. Yeah. So Tokyo Ghoul is like a Japan. It's, a, it's an anime and a manga. Yeah. And so it deals with like a, a like a zombie, a vampire hybrid that's been marginalized in society. And yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to what I think can re-energize the, the genre, which is the return of the cult status, yeah. and a bunch of people what, like connecting with this. Well, and and what movie in the next ten years isn't going to be about being marginalized? Yeah. Right. I mean. That's uh, the revenge genre. The, I know. I the, mean, it's no accident. Yeah. You know, it's no accident that slasher movies are making a comeback. And you know, it's. And I think zombie shows in the, like Walking Dead has been replaced by the conspiracy shows. You know, from uh, we got the Romanoffs now. We have like uh, what was the original one uh, with Carrie Russell? Oh, the Americans. The Americans, yeah. like it, it, these issues of trust and power, are going to be the the big issues. Is there a place for the zombie in there? Maybe not, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, because they'll come back. They always come they back. Run, they always come back. <laughs> yeah. And just uh, horror in general is, like, such a great home for, for the repressed. I think it's why, you know, there's all these think pieces right now about, like, why is horror so big? And, oh, it's it's art all of a sudden. It's like, yeah. no, yeah. it's always been. But I think right now people are really looking for that, and it really resonates with people more now than it has in the past few years. Happy it, Halloween. Yeah. 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 Happy yeah. Halloween. Is there a place for a Booberry movie? Oh, done. <laughs> done. <laughs> The General Mills monsters. Booberry are they going to see the, the big That screen? I would watch. Yeah, I, would I would eat watch it too. That. Yeah, but what oh you were talking God. about makes so much sense because when I was doing the history section of my movie Haunters, one thing we were looking at was what all the classic Universal monster movies came out during the Depression. Halloween as a holiday made its most amount of money in 2001, right after September 11th. That's when the theme parks first really sold out. Um, 2008 beat out 2001. That was the financial meltdown. Last year beat out everything when Halloween made $9.3 billion, almost $3 billion more than Halloween had ever made ever before. You can guess what, what, why people were pissed off last year. And uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, as the world falls apart, we're gonna get some great horror. It's gonna be really <laughs> We'll have awesome. something to watch while we're either on the we'll, news or in your theater. We'll yeah. have something to watch as they're trying to get into our house. Yeah. <laughs> But it is, you know, that kind of uh, horror being so big in times like this is a nice reminder that horror is like a really nice place to be. We're all nice. It's, yeah, and it's a good, you know, it's good a escape good in a different way. Yeah. You know, it's our therapeutic well, value exactly. of being scared. It's our scarapy. Well, they uh, gave us the one minute uh, warning a Someone little over a minute ago, uh -oh. but uh, let's see. Um, we're supposed to get off the stage, but what was your question real fast, ma'am? Oh, uh, well... All the panelists are available to talk after the panel, but uh, thank you guys so much. Where can they get you on social media real quick? Gavin Hignite, uh, Twitter or Instagram. Uh, Dead Meat on YouTube, and I'm also Carebeck on Twitter. That's C-A-R-E-B-E-C-C. -E -E if you look up Haunters the Movie, you'll find it. I'm at Clark Wolf, Clark with an E and Wolf with an E. Uh, I'm at Jonathan London, and we got Geekscape going at geekscape.net, and it's a podcast, and you can listen to it. And it's a little network now. So that's all at geekscape.net. And you can search for us on all the socials. Thank you guys so much for being part of our zombie Thanks, panel. guys. Thank you, guys. Aim for the head. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.